Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Record Off the Record podcast with me, David McCarthy and Keith Jackson, as we speak to some of the biggest names behind some of the biggest stories in Scottish football over the years. Today we are delighted to be in the company of a man who has a Champions League winner's medal in his collection, but as far as Celtic fans are concerned, will be best loved for the part he played in stopping Rangers winning 10 in a row 25 years ago this summer. Five years after that, he captained Martin O'Neill's side to the final of the UEFA Cup, and while that adventure ended in heartache in Seville, he ended his time at Parkhead with four Premier League titles, two League Cups and three Scottish Cups, one of which was won with St Mirren at the age of 17. Oh, and there were 40 Scotland caps and an induction into the SFA's Hall of Fame thrown into the mix as well. Welcome to our guest, Paul Lambert. It wasn't a bad old career, Paul, was it? I'd have took it. I'd have took it. <laughs> uh, no, it, was, it wasn't. It was... Um... It was lovely, really, when you when you look back on it and how it kind of transpires and how it how your career kind of goes. You've you've a lot of ups and downs in that period. You probably forgot all the downsides of that as well in there somewhere. So <laughs> it's hard work, football, David. You know, it, it is hard. It is hard going. You, you need a lot of luck on your side when when you get scouted. I think I get I, I get scouted when I was twelve, and um, uh, we sent Madam. At that point, and and, and St Mirren at that time is a brilliant club because it it gave me a, an incredible grounding mm-hmm. at, at that time. It really, and I was really fortunate. I played under Alec Muller, Martin Ferguson, Drew Jarvey. I always say that, and and the dressing room I grew up with was was ridiculously tough. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying in a bad way, but it, it made you battle hard into what was going to come 10, 20 years down the line. My, my, absolutely. I mean, you got there, you know, your first taste of success when you were 17, as I just said there, and, you know, winning that Scottish Cup. And I suppose at that age, you're kind of just, you know, it's kind of mm. unbelievable because you're no longer at school and suddenly you've got a Scottish Cup winner's medal. And, you know, you that was a great start for you. But then you went to Motherwell and, you know, that was a decent career there. But it's after that, um, mm. that, you know, what happened next is... Absolute fairy tale stuff, is it not? Well, I was going yeah. to say, Paul. I mean, in, in the history of football, who has ever done St. Mirren to Motherwell, Motherwell to Dortmund? Doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, it, going back to the point there with the, the, the St. Mirren thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I was 17 and, and um, Alec Murdoch had left and that, that was a right blow to me that because he kept me on the straight and narrow and, and kept everybody quite quite clued in and um, when he left I thought oh, dear oh dear what, what happens here because that was my real first managerial uh, change mm-hmm. and then Alex Smith came in and then kept me going in the team and um, I think someone were going to play Rangers at Ibrox in the very last day of the season and, and, and Alec came round and said, listen, I'm not going to play against Rangers at Ibrox. I'm going to play in the cup final. And you're right, David, at 17, I, I just went out there and played if I was still playing street football. I, mm. I never I, I never realised what, what it was, what I was doing. And it wasn't, it's funny enough, and you know my dad, he, he said to me after the game um, outside Hamden, I'll forget it, he said, he's more emotional than me. I just thought, it's another game, it's another whatever it was. And he said, You won't realise what you've done till you're older. And that that always stopped with my dad. My dad saying that to us and then go to Motherwell and I played in a really, really good side. Three years I had a great time there. And then obviously, yeah, the big the big one happened and going to going to join Bruce Dortmund at that time. Tell tell us, Paul, how did that come around, right? Because, you know, as you said, some young kids manage to get to a cup final at 17, maybe even win a cup at 17. Perhaps think it's going to be like that every season for the rest of their careers, mm. but a lot of them, that'll be their only taste of it. Mm. So for you to then progress and, and, and go up the levels that you then go up, I, I'm, I'm very curious to know at what point when you're at Motherwell do you get the idea, this Dortmund thing could be real. I could be going to Borussia Dortmund. How did that all come about and... And did did you find it even difficult to believe yourself at the time? Keith, I remember um, Motherwell were going to Northampton. I probably should really shouldn't say this kind of story. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, um, they were going to Northampton on pre-season. And I, and I remember Rab McKinnon, who was a really good player at the time. At yeah. Rab signed for um, 20 in mm-hmm. And I was kept in touch with him. And, um, and I remember saying to him, I said, how, how did that move come around? He went... A guy, a Dutch agent, got in touch with him, and um, God rest him, he died not, not that long ago. Twan van Dalen, his name was. And, yeah. Uh, do you remember him? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, to, to, he said, did you want me to give him a call? I said, ah, that'd be great. No, listen, I, I didn't know Twan van Dalen from, from Adam, really. So he, he he phoned me roughly about the time Motherwell were going to Northampton. So I, I thought, how am I going to get out of this Northampton trip with the uh, big Alec McLeish was the manager and, and looking back I shouldn't have done this but I did it and then um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Mother went to Northampton so I thought the way I can only get out of this is pull a sickie so I kidded, I kidded when I wasn't well and um, Was that in a pre-season game Paul? It was yeah they were going down to England for pre-season but I knew Tom was going to roughly phone or well I thought he was going to phone around about that time so I thought if I'm ready to go somewhere abroad then I need to be ready to Pull out of the motherwell thing because I made up my mind I'd I'd, uh, I'd want to leave and I want to go abroad. But Ton Ton phoned me at that time. Says Paul, you can't go to Northampton. If you give me a few more days, I'll give you a call back. And I thought, all right, let's see where he goes with us. And sure enough, he phoned me and then um, he said, listen, he said, um, jump in the plane, come flight in, Skiddy, and then I'll meet you. I've never met this guy. You know, I'd never met, I'd never seen this guy before in my life, and. Um, Sure enough, Motherwell went to um, Northampton. I pulled the quick one, said I wasn't well. And uh, 
jumped in a plane and got to Enskiri and, <laughs> and I know it's crazy and I, I jumped in a plane and and, uh, and, and Torn standing there and I, I just remember this guy standing there and he knew me from before uh, so he came up and says Paul I'm Torn Vandala and he said, uh, he said my car's here he said you got everything right yet I still never knew where I was going at that point <laughs> and um, he got in the car and he says there's two teams I was in the car I think he said or I was on the phone he said there's two teams one's PSV Eindhoven and one's Borussia Dortmund and uh, and I went oh Jesus Listen, as I said before I thought he could have went to Azerbaijan and I took the chance at that time because I thought well I've killed myself with Motherwell I ain't going to play there again I've took a sickie I'm definitely not playing there again this is this is the last throw of the dice and they uh, jumped in the car and Tom took me to Eindhoven and uh, Dick, we Dick was the manager, Dick Agricat was, was the coach and he welcomed me there. And at that time, Keith, PSV Eindhoven had a right good side. Yeah, they were great. They were a right good side there. And um, and, and Dick played more on the right wing. And and I was never, I was never quick. I, I was never a great, like, technical 1v1 situations where I could get the violin and whip a ball in or, or cross balls. But anyway, I, he played me there and for, ironically enough, I scored two goals in two games. But I was never a winger. And I knew, it was, it was only when Dick came to the Rangers, I thought, this guy will go with wingers here because I know how he played at PSV. Yeah. And Kinchelskis and that were in the team at Rangers at that time. So I knew he wanted fast wingers. And he came up to my room and he says, Paul, he said, I know you're going to Bruce Dortmund. He said, good luck to you. I jumped in the car with Tone we travelled two and a bit hours up to Dortmund and we met Mr. Meyer at the time. And uh, Tony and Mr. Meyer had done my contract within about half an hour. And I'm sitting there having a clue what these guys are saying because they're talking in German. <laughs> and, and this is true. And we go out the room and Tony says, listen, there's four trial games for you here. He says, uh, the contract, that's the contract. If you do well, that's it, it's done. If you don't, then then it's probably go back with your tail between your legs sort of thing. And, and uh, that was, I, I think did, that was it. Did last you look at the contract at that point, Paul? I knew, yeah, I knew, I knew what it was. I, I, your eyes must have popped out your head. I, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? It's, it, the funny thing was, right, it, it could have it been, it could have been three iron blues and a mojo and I've signed it. <laughs> I knew I was going to get a chance with them because what, yeah. what I had in my head was, I had in my head was, do you know what I am? Um, I I need to try and sign here and see if I don't play here, I want to learn something different. Mm-hmm. So, cause I knew the team that they had because we played against them in Motherwell. Mm-hmm. So I knew the big ones were there. I knew the stadium. I knew the fan base. And the and and when when it happened, I, I went. I drove. Well, we Walter Mass, who, who I know really well, knew. We had a laugh about this a few months ago. Walter drove me to a place called Lubeck. He couldn't speak German. Uh, he could speak German, no English. I knew English, no German. So the conversation was like, talk with your hands. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what am I going to do here? How am I going to speak to this guy? And I said to them, I said, what? I said, um, and I pointed my watch, how long driving sort of thing. And he went, he put his hands up and put four fingers up. I went, four? I went, four. He went, four hours. He says, don't worry, I'll do it in two. And he flew, he flew down that autobahn. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And Walter's only about three foot six. He was, he was tiny. I went, Jesus, this guy's driving this car like an absolute maniac. Anyway, we got there. And I'll, I'll not forget this. 
we we went to the airport and all I could see was black and yellow. That's what I seen. I went, what the hell? There's thousands of fans at the airport in Lubeck. Next thing I see a plane coming in and uh, he went, there's a the plane. That's a team coming in from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And the um, plane went on the tarmac, water drives on the tarmac and then that Otmar and Michael Henke come off the bus and, and adjust ourselves and, and say, hope it goes well for you. Just go on the bus. And then I go on the bus and a lot of the guys are sitting there. A lot, some of them weren't there because they, they just won Euro 96. So they yeah. more of time off. And I played, I played two, uh, 245 minutes against Lübeck in Hamburg. It was my first trial game. But that, I played centre of the pitch then. Mm-hmm. And then my next two games were Schalke and Gladbach at that time, which were big games in a, in a cup competition before the season started. And then I done well in them, but I played centre midfield. And then on the Thursday before the season started against Bayer Leverkusen, Otmar says to me, we've just signed Paolo Sosa eh, from Juventus. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He says, so if Paolo's fit, you're on the bench against Leverkusen and Paolo plays. Paolo ended up, his knee wasn't ready to play. I play against Leverkusen and then, boom, away it goes. And that's exactly how it, how it happened. That's right, because I remember, Paul, that, and obviously you remember that for your first home game um, against mm. uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, I came yeah. over with your dad. You were um, over, yeah. Aye, and, um, you know, so so we came to watch our first game in the, in the Westfalen, and I remember you saying is after that game that that what made you feel that you had a real, real chance there was that they, uh, Hitzfeld made three substitutions that night, uh-huh. And you were only one of them. You stayed on the pitch for the entire 90 minutes and there were some big names getting weak. I mean, you've won the game 4-0. That's right. Um, and I remember you always saying that, Tiz, that that was where you really began to believe, look, he believes in me. He's kept me on for the entire 90 minutes amongst this team full of superstars. David, that, that was it. And, and I remember that. See that point you're talking about? Kala, Kala and, uh, and um, Paolo came off the bench that night. Right, and I had one of the games that kind of just seems to it went everything went for me that night. The, 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 the game just went really well for me, and Carla and Paolo came off the bench that night. And when I looked over and my and my, my number wasn't up, that's when I, I actually said to my uh, to myself, and uh, stronger words and one brain actually uh, turning it. I need to kill people to stay in this team because look who's coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And and that was my mindset of once I'm in here, if I get out this team, I ain't getting back in. And I said, look, I thought to myself, look yeah. at that. this dressing room. They'd won World Cups, they'd won Serie A titles, Champions League titles. And I thought then, at that point, I thought, geez, I'm, I'm going to have to perform at the highest level I possibly can to stay in this side because look at that. It's too good. And, and that was my mindset. And from, from that game on, that's when it really, it really escalated into something that, that was was a ridiculous story, really. Talk, talk uh, to me, talk to us, Paul, about what that required from you in terms of mental strength, mm-hmm. mental self conviction, because there's got to be a bit of you that arrives there, as you said, you're looking around, you know everybody in that dressing room. There's you know hundreds of pounds falling out their pockets when they go to pick up their their kit bag. You're in with absolute superstars. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. come from all. How much 
were you absolutely dependent then on a, on a cast iron sort of mental strength? Because that would have, I'm sure a lot of people in that situation would have struggled with that, Paul. So. And that's a good, that's a good point. I, um, I, I got to the point where I, um, I, we, we needed money at that point. And um, and uh, I thought, what the hell am I going to do here? I need to go abroad, let's see what happened. I need to get an income here. Because Scottish football at that time was, was paying good money to what probably normal other yeah. people get. So so the, the, the disparity of inflation all that. But at that time, if I played the model of what was on probably uh, to now to end my career, I, I'd have still had to go and work after my career. So I'm yeah. not saying I don't want to work, but what I'm saying is that you've got, it's a really short career. And uh, But mindset was, all right, we, I have to get money here. So we were we were uh, at, that, at that time, uh, asked my mum and dad to help me a wee bit because I was struggling. And uh, I thought, what is it? And the, the big thing was when I went over to Dortmund, um, I'll never forget this. I had no money at all. I'd run out of money. And uh, Mr. Meyer said to me, he said, Paul, he said, um, I said, Mr. Meyer said, um, you're asking me to stay on here. I said, but I, I, I've got no money. He went, don't worry. He said, I'll give you 200 Deutschmarks. If you sign, you give me it back. And if you don't sign, just take it. So I went, right, okay. So I had no deodorant, shampoo, all the quality <laughs> stuff, right? This is true. And so... I go to the Dortmund training ground and Julio, Julio Cesar, Julio was there. The coolest Brazilian I've ever, ever seen and played with this guy. This guy played with a suit on and I, I never broke sweat. It was like that. Oh, yeah, honestly. And the ball, it was that big, the ball was like a tennis ball, his foot, you know, and I, I thought, Jesus, this guy's an absolute mountain guy. Look at this. But you know what, Keith, that, uh, David, he smelled fucking brilliant. Honestly, <laughs> this aftershave was fucking brilliant. So I thought, fucking, this big guy's a nightclub. He used to come in with a suit on, you know, fucking do his hair and all that. <laughs> he, he would just look at me in the morning and go, Paul Bus Morgan, which meant I'll see you tomorrow. So, uh, but I, I laugh with Julio now because I, I know him really bit, but I, I, I was trying to explain to Julio, Julio, I, I don't have any Dordan or anything. He went, Paul, don't worry, come with me. This is true, right? So he takes me to Dortmund City Centre. He said, what do you need? What do you need? I, went, I need a soap bag, I need shower gel, I need aftershave, I need shaving cream on. He went, don't worry. I swear to God, he bought me stuff, right? I swear to God, about 400 euros. <laughs> I threw a check out. I never had the heart to say to him, do you love him? You get 200. So I can't get the Fucking. So he paid for it. He went like, I said, no, no, don't worry. I'll pay for you. He said, don't worry, I'll get it. So he, he got me that. So that's how bad it was. I was like, I can't afford it here. So, so, so everything was kind of Going to that, I thought, right, okay, okay, that's step one over. How do I, how do I actually get get involved with this? How do I get my mindset back to your question? How do I get my mindset? Yeah. And I, the great thing about Dortmund was it was really similar to Glasgow, where I knew if I'd worked my ass off, would the crowd go where? Might not be good enough at that point. They might, they might want it seen better, or, or they might want it seen something a bit more flair or a bit more mm. guile. But what I gave them was the other side of I'll get right in, I'll get right in about it here and I'll go for everything for you and then and then they just took to me like well, a fish to water really. So the mindset was the Dusseldorf game was Paolo and Carla come off the bench and I need to play well here to, to stay on this side because the team's that good. The mindset of winning, the fear of, the fear of losing was really high with me all the time. It was the fear of losing of 
I don't want to lose here. I don't want to lose. And I knew they had to win titles at Dortmund. I knew they had to win whether it was the Champions League or the League or the, or the German Cup. I knew the club was that big. It, it was a club that it had to win because of the team at hand. So that gave me the grounding of probably the Glasgow upbringing or my own St. Mern upbringing or, or the St. Mern dressing room upbringing of being a pro footballer, how it, how it kind of works. And I fitted in, in the Dortmund dressing room really good. And one of the biggest, I think, compliments I've ever had was from Andy, Andy Moore, who was probably the greatest player I think I'd ever played with, Andy, but offensively. And Andy said to me one day, he said, he wouldn't have been the same kind of player if I never had his back, really. Wow. Was, which, was, which was great. And I thought then, I thought, I must be doing something right here. So my mindset was always, even if I win something, I've never got too high. And if I, I've never... Mm. Uh, lose. I always try to be humble with it and, and I don't need to broadcast what I've done or anything like that or because it's, so, it's your memory that gives you the, the medal really and I think the mindset was I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg, this is The Deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now is the time to really see how good I can be mm-hmm. with that. And that just, that club and that lifestyle and that winning and all that was like, it, it put you up there that I could handle any company, didn't matter who I was up against, I could handle any any opponent that I come up against. Was so that was, that, sorry Keith, carry on. No, I've just got to say, is there a wee bit about that where you actually have to bluff as well? But you know, you Andy Muller, you said, you know, but, it, it was it was hardly short of confidence. None of these guys are short of confidence. Yeah. So can you feel yourself? I need to walk into this room and not let them see that I'm actually shitting myself a little bit here. Yeah, hundred percent. Either of was it ever going to be good enough? In their eyes, I had to earn probably their respect of can, can I do it? Do you know, and do you know the the really nice thing now is when I meet all the guys. They always really warm to you because of the way I was as a personality and the way I was in a dressing room. And I, and I was always like, I was always up there, so I was never kind of down. Do you know what I mean? I was always kind of up there all the time. Like, they knew what they were going to get, and they knew if I was bang at it, then I'd have been hard to play against. Because mm-hmm. training was like that, Keith, you know? Training was like, training was like the way you played. Yeah. And, and Jurgen, Jurgen Kohler, who, Matthias Samar and Julio and Martin Cree, people like that, that they, were, they were incredible defenders. I've never seen anything like that or played with anything like that with the guys at the back. I mean, they were just ridiculously good. Uh, and, and that gave you the mindset of winning, winning, winning. The German mentality was always winning. Didn't matter. See if we won 1-0. Yeah. 
after the game, when you matter how you really kind of played, brilliant, well done, move on. Yeah. Next one, move on, move on. That was a mentality, and I thought, if that's good enough for them, then I need to have that. Because I always used to, Motherwell, if I lost a game, it was, it was staying with me for about four days. I was like, fucking hell, I can't shake this. Mm-hmm. But I got to the point where the Dortmund that I would win, bump, let it go. I would lose, you analyse it for a day, bump, let it let it go. And I, and I, I seen Otman Hitchfield when his manager Switzerland, I went over to see him and asked him the same question. I said, how did you ever handle a defeat? Not that he lost fucking two men. So no, no. Fucking, uh, he went, Paul, analyse it for one day. He said, then let it go. He said, because it'll kill you and it'll kill your team. And, mm-hmm. and, and then I thought, it's really good advice, that, you know. Aye, aye, that's great advice. Tell us this, in, in that run to the final, you obviously had Man United in the, mm. in the semi-final. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think the second leg was Old Trafford, so you qualified at Old Trafford. And then you've got to the final. Having beaten Man United, and I know you've still got Juventus, who only had Deschamps and Zidane and all that yeah. in the final, right? But having beaten Man United, did you just go into that game with a genuine belief um, that you could win it? Obviously, the match was also played in Germany, which was probably uh, a good thing as well for you. I well, the, the, the Man United game was really, really strange there because we had a hell of a lot of injuries in that first leg. If you look at the team, it was really no as strong as what the final team was, sort of thing. And also, beat Man United 1-0 at Dortmund and the mindset the guys the German way was we've got that goal advantage we always score away from home it's very well I don't think we scored away from home in, in because of the, the players that we had so the, the Man United game at 1-0 there was an incredible relief if we scored at Old Trafford they ain't scoring three against us mm. and last obviously last score was a set, the, the goal at Old Trafford even though my United had chances, I always think there's a bit of anxiety when you miss and miss and miss and miss. Mm-hmm. There's anxiety there because you're chasing that. You've got to score three against us. And, and there's no way in this earth my United were ever going to score three. No way. No. Jürgen Kohler was a one-man wall that night. <laughs> that, that, was probably, that was probably the best defensive play, uh, thing I've ever seen mm-hmm. for a guy. He was just ridiculous, Jürgen, at, at that point. And that game, when last scores... I never felt threatened there because I just knew that my United <coughs> wouldn't score three against us that night. They, they just wouldn't do it. I think your biggest problem that night might have been when you were, do you know, drive up the road and you get caught speeding or something? Aye. No, the guy, um, I never had a car seat, a baby car seat. Is that what it was? And they pulled me over in the traffic officer. Because I'm Scotland had a game. I'm Aye, that's right. Yeah, you were going on to Scotland, yeah. yeah. Aye. And the, the guy um, pulled me over and he, he, he looked to me and did you pull that? I went, yeah. He said, you played that game last night, didn't you? I went, yeah. He went, brilliant. He said, I'm a Manchester City fan. He said, I'll take you to, to the Halfers to get a car seat. Hi, he was brilliant. He said, I don't know where I'm going here. He said, I don't know where I'm going. He said, follow me, don't worry about it. And then he, he took me to the, to where I could get a car seat. Hi, he said, I'm a Man City fan. Well done. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about the final then. Um, we're going to get on to Celtic in a minute, obviously, mm. but tell us about the final because, you know, not only are you kind of tasked with keeping Zidane quiet because he's in your area of the pitch, but you also mm. still managed to create the first goal. You get the assist for the first goal, didn't you? I, the, yeah. The, the, Otmar would, would get... Otmar told me what kind of player like Zidane was like, you know. But the, the big thing with Zidane is, and I've met him since the final, and... Was a height him? 
and how mm. big he was. I, I, I never, he must have been about six foot three. Yeah. I think, Jesus, this guy really tall, sort of thing. And, and, but the, he did a couple of great things. He did a brilliant thing of drifting off your shoulder at, at certain times. If the ball wasn't on the right hand side, for example, and he'd drift, he would drift off your shoulder and also like myself, I can't get attracted to the ball or Juventus are that good, they'll find him. Mm-hmm. And, and then when he gets a chance, he normally scores. But, and he was really two-footed. He could sway one way and go to the left. and It was just brilliant the way, the way he swayed. And it was the height of him and, and how like, I had to be bang on it really to go, well, if Zidane wants to go there, then I'll need to go with him because it's too dangerous to let him have the freedom. And their team, you're right, we look at their team, the manager they had, Lippy at the time, and the team that they did have, and Del Piero came on, Del Piero was a sub that night, because the bossy can vary up front, with Zidane floating behind and things like that. So when you look at the team they had, you thought, we're going to have to be really bang on it. But back to your point, David, was I just had a feeling that we would win. Because I think whoever beat Bush or Dortmund at that, team, that time had to be a, an incredible, incredible team mm-hmm. to beat us because I thought the Dortmund team was an incredible side. And with the firepower that Dortmund had built, Sharpie, Carla, Landy, there was always goals in the team. And I always felt that, that we could score. But the, the night in Munich, I mean, my God, that, the atmosphere that night and the build-up to that game, the whole thing was was huge for us. And, and it was brilliant it was in Germany and it was brilliant that we... With a massive party when we went back home. Did you have nerves, Paul? Tell the truth, because I, I, I imagine there's going to be three or four guys, five, six, seven, eight guys in that dressing room that probably didn't feel nerves, or if they yeah. did, they'll show it. Yeah. Did, you, did you have nerves? Did you suffer? Or, or by this point, mm. have you bought into this German mentality, this mm. utter belief that, you know, and maybe it's a touch of arrogance. But it's something that doesn't come naturally to Scottish guys. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Here. I, 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 point one, I was no nervous, right? 100%. I had what they had at that time. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I got that that feeling how they'd done it. So, totally fine. I knew the, the how big the game was. I knew the, the build-up of it. I knew everything that was going on. And it wasn't until I went uh, to the bus to put my bag under the bus. And I'll never forget this. This was incredible. And uh, Manny, um, me Manny, who used to clean our boots and that and sort out our mail for us and all that and uh, uh, things like that, he went and he lit up his cigarette outside the bus, you know, and he went, Paul, how are you? I went, Manny, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I went, how are you? He went, Paul, I'm nervous. As soon as, soon as he said that, my <laughs> fell out my trousers at that point. <laughs> Manny, I didn't want to hear that, but... It was affecting people a lot more than it was affecting me because they were embroiled in the club where they'd been there for years and years and years. And he was your kind of guy that cleaned the boots and things like that. My brilliant guy and done done the I was here our mail in the morning, made you coffee in the morning. I just a real brilliant person to have about the dressing room, uh, the training ground. And he need, he went, he was nervous and I went, he's nervous. That's responsibility on you, doesn't it? Because I, now you're playing for. 100% and I'm on the bus and, and, and my, my seat was always next to Stefan, Stefan Claus, who you, mm-hmm. these guys know really well. And the bus was dead to silent, you know, really quiet. And I walked up there and I was sat at the back of the bus with, with Stefan and that. And, and 
I see Jurgen, I see Andy, I see Carla. All the guys are sitting, my taste, deadly quiet. And I look, and Stefan said, How are you? I went, No, I'm fine, Stefan, until man, he says, He's nervous. And I, I just happened to look down at Stefan's knee, and his knee's gone up and down. You know that if you're under the table, your knee's gone up and down. I went, Are you all right? He went, Aye, aye, I'm all right, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. He said, But look at everybody else. And, and, when the bus is quiet, and I went, Jesus, look at the bang on it here because nobody spoke on the bus. It was really quiet. It was it was so concentrated on, and I'm thinking, and I never forget. I thought to myself, oh, he's won the World Cup. He's won Serie A. He's won the Blues there, and and they're like that. Do you know what I mean? And that's guys going back to your point. They'd won everything, but they were so bang on it. Right, right, the manager. Nobody spoke, and the only time that I really spoke was really in the dress. Once we got to the dressing room, it became a bit lively because mm-hmm. the way the bus parked in Munich was in the corner flag. So you walked onto the track, and by the time we got into that um, track, that stadium was full half mm-hmm. black and white, half yellow black. And I went, Look at this, this is the flags were going, it was just um, that's when it became proper. I thought, Oh, this, yeah. this, is, this is brilliant, this did. And I'll never forget walking by the trophy when it stands on the plinth. Mm-hmm. I thought, say God, if there's one trophy you need to give me, it's this one here. Again, forget everything else, I just take this one. Again, you can't, you can't get that close to it and not take it away. That would just I be. Know, it must have been. Do you know what? You lose that tournament. Thank God I never lost it. It must be a horrific thing because everybody I wants that. Hi, everybody, everybody wants it. It was a great thing I read in the programme. Because they had the cup winners at the cup at that time, UEFA Cup and the Champions League. I think the Champions League cost the least amount of money to make, but teams spend the most amount of money trying to buy it. Yeah, try right. to win it. Try right. to win it. And I thought, God almighty, that's that's right. so true that. Tell us this then, Paul, right? So you know, you've won that, you've you've reached the peak there. You could obviously have stayed on in Dortmund. Yeah. What made you like a few months later, really? I think November ninety eight. So it's about a year later, wasn't it? It was, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're back in Glasgow. Um, was that a kind of a kind of family decision at the time, or whatever, or was it a career decision that you had done what you wanted to do in Germany, and it was time to come back? No, I was really happy. Uh, Dortmund was was a deal. They had had an incredible relationship, the support and the club, and and even when I go back to this day, it's, everybody's really welcoming and really nice and all that. And, and after the Champions League final, I had the option to go anywhere in Europe, anywhere. I had teams phoning, come here, come here, come here. It was, it was incredible. And I, my answer to it all the time was, no, I'm really happy. I, I, this club have gave me what I have today. I'm really happy here. I don't need to move. And when it, then it became a point where my son wasn't keeping too good. Mm-hmm. And he had a thing called... I think it was a thing called uh, free bio convulsions. I think that, that's what it was called, where a kid at that age, for, for one to five, can go unconscious with a temperature when it gets too high. Right. And this was happening more and more frequently. And I thought, this is getting bloody difficult. This For me, it's easy because I, I'm training and yeah. I'm playing. And, but for the family side, it, it becomes yeah. difficult. So uh, Celtic came in and they've done, uh, God rest them, bloody hell. Um, he, uh, Scotland played Belarus, remember that, up, in, up at Aberdeen? Mm-hmm. 
And um, Celtic asked me a few times, I said no to Celtic as well at the beginning. I said no, I'm happy, thanks very much. And then Vim, Vim and Murdo appeared, like, went a ghost in the boot room at Aberdeen. <laughs> I, I don't, know how, don't know how they got there, but they got there. And um, and uh, and Vim said, well, you give me one more chance to try and sign you. I, I, I want to sign you. And I went, no, I listen, I've got a game for Scotland here in the World Cup. He said, no. He said, I appreciate that. He said, but I want to try and sign you um, at Celtic. And I, I said, listen, I, you have to do what you do and I, I will do what I do, sort of thing. And, uh, and I left it with Celtic at that point. I never really bothered. I played the game, Scotland won 4-1 back to Dortmund. Everything's fine. No, no problem. And then Dortmund did a chat with me and asked, listen, Celtic, we, we know the problem here with your son and that. And we'll do everything. Uh, for you to, I mean, that's no, I don't want you to do everything for me. I, I'm here to work for you. Yeah, you don't yeah. work for me. I'm here to work for you. But my job is to try and win football matches and try and, yeah, make the club successful. So I didn't want the club to, to pander to me. I, I, I was never that big a player for that. I was never that good enough for that. I was just, I wanted to be one of them. Mm-hmm. And they got to the point where we said, okay, let's, it's getting too much now that my son keeps conking out at, at certain points of his life. And I thought, this is too difficult. Let's let's go home. And then the Celtic thing transpired and all of a sudden it happened happened quickly. But I never realised that the send-off I'd have got at Dortmund, David, what I, what I got. That was, that, that was ridiculous what happened there because I never expected that, that send-off. Because that was I, people crying in the stadium or at my car and... Aye. people putting banners over my car saying don't go and it was just really really tough um, moment and, that, and that's why I, I probably never kicked my backside for at Celtic for a couple of months after I signed her Do you, you genuinely think that was your, was your head still in or your head or your heart still in Dortmund at that time although you were physically in Glasgow do you think? 100% 100% that, that was it but I could have signed for anywhere UV or whatever it was I'd have, I'd have the same feeling. Going, what, what have I done here? What, why, what have I done? I ain't performing to the level that I know I could have done. And it was, it was, it wasn't feeling Celtic at, at that point either because I, I wasn't performing. They, they probably only seen a guy who, who won the Champions League and expect to win the team. Just you just play, no matter how hard I played or how it just wasn't happening. And I went to them. I went to them the night Celtic won the League Cup. Yeah, we went to Cameron House and I went to see them that night, the night before the game. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had to pick the team and I went to see him. I said, you got a minute? Went, yeah, yes. Yeah. He said, I said, if you're thinking about playing me anymore, I don't. Don't play me in this cup thing. I said, I ain't performing. I said, play, play Morton and, and Craig. I said, they're the ones that perform and they're the ones that go to there. I said, I'll find my feet, but you need to give me time here because I ain't performing for you. And uh, he went, okay, Paul, thanks very much. I'll decide what I want to do. And he, he never played me, which was the right call. 100% the right call. You came off the bench that day, didn't you? Sorry? I'm saying you came off the bench that day, I That's think. That's right, yeah. yeah. Which, was, which was a total gesture. It was three and a half seconds to go or something. So, yeah. So, yeah. But it was the right call. What was it like getting into that dressing room on that particular at that particular time though? Because the pressure to stop Rangers 
getting 10 in a row must have been mm. absolutely astronomical. Do you know what? Going back to Keith's thing, I love that. I absolutely Aye. love that pressure. I love that, that feeling of you've got it there. There's no grey area there with the 10 in a row thing. There was never a grey area. It was, mm-hmm. You either date or you have to leave Glasgow fucking in an armor bus <laughs> and get out fucking sort of thing. And, um, because that was it. When I look back on it now, it, it, the 10 in a row thing, or, if you lost it, you'd have absolutely destroyed the Lisbon Lies and a legacy and big job and all that and all the guys which who I love I love the lines when I spoke to them they were brilliant and I know there's not too many uh, left but I love their company and I love listening to the old stories that, that they were great and the great players that they were and all that and different years different times and so, they, so oh, were, were you getting that from some of the lions as well then that look uh, you know the current Celtic can look we, we did the nine in a row. We did that. You've got to stop them from, from beating us kind of thing. And, you know, was that was that something that the Lions were actually saying to you guys at the time? No, do you know what? And that's a great thing, David. That, that was a brilliant thing about them. Not once did they say, well, listen, you, you need to try and stop this ten in a row. We bet a jinky. Go through them all. They, they were all brilliant. They never once put any pressure on... I, I never heard it. Never put any pressure on that, that team to say, listen... I knew myself in the back of my head what it was and where it was going and how important it was to the club to to win the tip or to stop the ten in a row. But I also knew I was never ignorant to Celtic history because I knew what that great team had done at that point. So I knew that this season was going to be that. To me, that season changed the whole thing the way Celtic had the day. Yeah. That that see that's how big that season was. It changed. It gave Celtic a legacy, or, or it knew how to win again. It was you back. Know, yeah, uh, the yeah, yeah, hundred percent, Keith. And I, I think that team or that group of guys deserve an incredible, an incredible thing for them because what they've done. Because it, you're right, Keith. It gave them that foundation of, well, we can win again. We can get by Rangers at some point. We we can do it, and that's. But I never felt what I did feel for the Lions was. Great guys, great support, great storytellers, brilliant things that you would never ever repeat in your life. But <laughs> brilliant, great fun, and um, and but that team, that year, had had an incredible job to stop that ten in a row. Yeah, 